0: Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. This message you're about to listen to is from our midweek service with evangelist David Diga Hernandez. He's going to speak a message entitled, Three Obstacles to Divine Revelation. Hope you enjoy it, hope you're blessed. The primary source of divine revelation and the foundation of all revelation is the Word of God as revealed by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, in John chapter 14, verse 26, the Bible says this, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Look at the verse. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything. So the Holy Spirit's job in this specific portion of Scripture is revealed to be twofold. He reminds and He reveals. He takes the word that you've heard and He brings it to your remembrance. He takes the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Scripture, and He causes you to remember them and meditate upon them according to Psalm chapter 1. Now, the Holy Spirit also teaches, meaning He reveals. There are things you don't know about God. There are sides to His person, aspects to His nature that have yet to be truly appreciated by you and only the holy spirit can reveal god efficiently only the holy spirit can reveal god completely only the holy spirit can reveal god in a way that you will understand and that will transform your nature so the word of god is the is the source of divine revelation it's the it's the foundation it's the safety net it's It's the the barriers, the parameters that guide you as you begin to explore in the Spirit as the Holy Spirit leads you. So we cannot ever leave the foundation of the Word of God. We cannot ever contradict the foundation of the Word of God. Otherwise, we find ourselves in heresy and deception and all manner of trouble. But the Word of God is in place that it might help us to be reconciled unto God, that we might walk in right relationship with Him. And if I'm walking in right relationship with God, then that means that relationship is alive and active. It's dynamic, it's moving. And because of that, there are things that need to be revealed to me as I go. Now, the Word of God is most certainly the primary source. The Holy Spirit, as I said, uses the Word of God to bring forth revelation. And in fact, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God as a substance in the Spirit. The Word is the material with which the Holy Spirit builds in your life. So if we want divine revelation, we have to dive into the Word. And when I say dive into the Word, I'm not talking about a shallow commitment. I'm not talking about something that's done maybe for a minute a day. I'm talking about actually getting into the Word Understanding the Bible, knowing the themes, knowing the truths, understanding the timelines and the characters and the plan of God as revealed throughout the ages. I'm talking about diving in from Genesis to Revelation, not just reading the parts That are inspirational, not just reading the parts that seem to apply to everyday life. I'm talking about getting to know the nature, the mind, the will of God, His will, His ways through His Word. And as you get into His Word, you begin to see sides of God that you did not see before. And this is important because if we go by our preference only or go by our imagination only, we will miss things. And For every personality type, there is a side to God that will offend that personality type. There are aspects to God's nature that you will not like, that will offend you, that will contradict certain flaws within you. And this is why it's so important that we rely upon the Word and not upon our own understanding when receiving divine revelation. Now, the Word of God is how you receive divine revelation, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The Word is is brought to our remembrance by the Holy Spirit, and once we've laid that solid foundation of the Word and we remember it, we've meditated on it, we're living it, then the Holy Spirit can use that Word as the foundation to begin to build the rest of the structure, which is the relationship. So the revelation of the word is the foundation, but the revelation through relationship is the structure that goes on the foundation. Now, so long as you are firmly fixed on the foundation, so long as you are firmly and deeply rooted in the word of God, then as you go discovering new aspects of God's nature, you're never taken into deception because you can always come back to the Bible, the written word of God, the more sure word of prophecy. Now, we know that the word of God and the revelation by the Holy Spirit is the key to divine revelation. Those two combined bring forth revelation and transformation. So, I want to look at certain things that will block that revelation in your life. That will prevent you from receiving divine instructions from the Lord. So, number 1, I'm going to give you three things that will block the flow of divine revelation in your life. Number one is a heart of stubbornness. In Luke chapter 20, verses 1 through 8, the Bible says this One day, as Jesus was teaching the people and preaching the good news in the temple, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded, By what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? Let me ask you a question first, he replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, the people will stone us because they are convinced John was a prophet. So they finally replied that they didn't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, if you're just casually reading this, When you read it, you might come to the false conclusion or the incorrect conclusion that Jesus was trying to dodge a question. Jesus was not trying to dodge a question. Jesus was, in fact, going to lead them to the answer had they simply not been stubborn. The first obstacle or the first blockage to receiving divine revelation is a heart of stubbornness. Now, the people who had come to Jesus, these Pharisees, came to him and they said, you know, tell us by what authority you do these things. And he was going to reveal it. All they had to do was accept the revelation of John the Baptist. For had they accepted the revelation of John the Baptist, the revelation of Jesus would surely follow. But because they were stubborn, because they did not allow themselves to be humbled before God, they refused to make a decision about what they believed about John and therefore prevented themselves from being worthy of receiving further revelation about Jesus they did not steward the first revelation john and therefore were prohibited from receiving another revelation which was jesus they were unteachable They were unwilling to receive the revelation through John and were therefore prevented from receiving a revelation of Jesus. Now, we have to admit that we have room to grow if we're going to receive revelation. I know of many believers who will say, well, I know my Bible, or I've been studying it for this many years, or I've been going to church for this many years. Look, if you have to lay out your credentials and tell people how long you've gone to church, how well you know the Bible, how many times you've read it, then your trust is misplaced. Because then your trust is placed in your own ability rather than in the Holy Spirit's ability to receive the word. And like the Pharisees, we become stubborn and unable to receive further revelation. Again, Jesus was not trying to dodge their question. He was trying to lead them to the answer. But because they could not answer his question, they were prevented from receiving the answer. So had they said John was of God, then that would have led them right to Jesus because John was the one preparing the way for Jesus. So Jesus was not dodging the question. He was trying to answer their question, but it was their own stubbornness of heart that prevented them from receiving the answer. They knew that John was of God. I think deep in their hearts they knew, but they rejected that revelation. They they did not allow themselves to learn. They They were unteachable. They were stubborn. They were prideful. And because they were unteachable, stubborn, and prideful, they were not entrusted with divine revelation. You see, the Bible is inerrant. The Bible has no errors. The Bible is perfect in its message. But that doesn't mean that your interpretation of the Bible is perfect. Now, I really want to preach to some of you here. Just because the Bible is perfect doesn't mean that the conclusions you've made based upon your own interpretation of the Bible is perfect. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. We all have room to grow. We all are on a journey to understand or better understand the word of God. So we must be humble in our approach to the revelation of God's word, and we must accept the fact that we can be wrong on some things. We must accept the fact that we have some things to learn. And as soon as you remove the stubbornness of heart Revelation starts to flow because now I can receive. And so long as I'm rooted in the word, I have my firm foundation fixed in the word, then there's that safety net, again, that prevents me from wandering into deception. Number two, another thing that will prevent divine revelation is a life of disobedience. Matthew chapter 13, verse 12 says this, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. God will not entrust you with revelation when you mistreat what He's already given to you. So the Bible, which has been given to us from the Lord, is filled with commands, it's filled with instructions. It's filled with insight into God's preferences, his likes and his dislikes. It's filled with insight into what pleases or displeases him. If you will not heed the warnings, the corrections, the truths of that revelation, why is God going to trust you with any more? If you can't take step one why would God reveal step three or four? You must first obey the written word. Obedience to the written word of God actually positions you to receive the rhema word of God. Obedience to the written gives me access to the rhema. So number one, what will prevent you from receiving divine revelation, a heart of stubbornness. Number two, a life of disobedience. Number three, and this one's really, really important, a misuse of scripture. Ezekiel chapter 13, verses one through seven. And this one is, is gonna challenge many of us, especially ministers. I myself have been challenged uh, many times and I think it's healthy to be challenged. So it's understand understand this. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm not trying to tear anybody down. I'm trying to wake you up. And so as you hear this, allow the Holy Spirit to check your heart. Ask the Lord to reveal anything in your heart that might be falling along the lines of anything I'm describing here. But in Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, we see people misusing the name of the Lord for themselves. Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 1 through 7 say this. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the false prophets of Israel who are inventing their own prophecies. Say to them, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. What sorrow awaits the false prophets who are following their own imaginations and have seen nothing at all. O people of Israel, these prophets of yours are like jackals digging in the ruins. They have done nothing to repair the breaks in the walls around the nation. They have not helped it to stand firm in battle on the day of the Lord. Instead, they have told lies and made false predictions. They say this message is from the Lord, even though the Lord never sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their prophecies. Can your visions be anything but false if you claim this message is from the Lord when I have not even spoken to you? Now here we have to really be humble in our approach. When we go to the scripture we must be careful to not force our meaning upon any portion of Scripture. For example, there's a very famous story in the Bible that's been probably misused more than I've ever heard. Any other portion of the Scripture be misused as far as stories go. So, many of us are familiar with the story in the book of Acts where the young man is listening to the apostle preach. He's He's sleeping in the window and then he falls out of the window, dies in the street. The apostle goes down and raises him from the dead. Now, what that is, is a biblical historical account of early church history wherein a record was kept of someone who had died while listening to a sermon and was resurrected from the dead. All that's meant to be is a record of how the power of the Holy Spirit moved in the early church. But... I've heard countless messages preached on that text and it's been abused. There's been meaning forced upon it that was never intended. For example, I heard a sermon one time on that portion of scripture where the preacher said, well, he had one foot in and one foot out and that represents a lukewarm Christian and a lukewarm Christian is always prone to falling. I thought that's a biblical truth that the lukewarm Christian is prone to falling, but that's not what the Bible is saying right there. I heard another preacher take that same portion of Scripture and say, well, what this means is that your dreams died, but God's going to resurrect them. I thought, where is that even in the Bible on that portion of Scripture? That portion of Scripture was a biblical historical account of the power of resurrection being demonstrated in the early church. That's what it was. To try to force allegorical meanings on these things just to have fancy sounding sermons is by no means a good way of discipling people. I call these fortune cookie Bible readers. They pick up the Bible, they'll look at a verse, and they'll say, this is what it means to me. What does it mean to you today? And I'm thinking, well. The writers of those scriptures had intentions for those scriptures, and the Holy Spirit had an intention when he moved the writer to write it. So to pretend that scriptures can mean one thing one day and another thing another day or can apply to some allegory we're telling this day and another allegory that day, that's dangerous. Now, I'm not saying that we can't find principles in these stories. I mean, we find principles of faith. We find principles of holiness. Like, for example, in the life of David, You could preach a sermon on the consequence of sin in the life of David. You could preach a sermon on honoring the anointing in the life of David. And you can glean truths from these stories that are biblically backed. But to restructure the Bible and to restructure these meanings just to fit into your sermon or just to fit into what you're trying to pass off as revelation, that's dangerous. So the first two, a heart of stubbornness and a life of disobedience, this can apply to all believers, and so can the third one, a misuse of Scripture. But this third one is especially dangerous for the minister because we will be judged more harshly by how we handle the Word of God. My question to you is, when you're ministering the Word of God, is it your goal to impart or is it your goal to impress? You see, if your goal is to impart, then you're gonna stay faithful to the text and the meaning, and you're gonna deliver the message that was being delivered from the scripture itself. But if your goal is to impress, then you're gonna look at a portion of scripture and say, how can I find something in here that nobody's found before? How can I bring an angle out of this that nobody's brought out before? And this is the problem. Our culture celebrates that. We say things like, oh, wow, he really unpacked that verse. Oh, man, he got all of that from that one verse. And I'm thinking that wasn't in that verse. He got it from somewhere else. And they look at these these skills that they have as benefits when really they're watering down the message. And I'm not talking about any one preacher in particular. I would never attack a man or woman of God. I do not attack people. I address principles. And the principle I'm addressing here is the truth that we cannot just force our meaning upon the scriptures because it sounds like a cool message or we can we can kind of spin it to mean this thing or the other thing. You have to study, 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 dig in. Be faithful to that revelation of the word of God and treat it with reverence. Don't treat it like a fortune cookie where it could mean something or one day and another thing, another day. You have to treat it with reverence and fear and trembling for we will be judged more harshly, we who teach the word of God. So, Don't be more concerned with sounding interesting or different than you are with being accurate and helpful. See, if you preach something that's too different, now you're in heresy. If you preach something that's never been preached before, now you gotta be careful because there's a reason it was never preached before. Now, I'm not saying that you can't word it uniquely. I'm not saying that you can't tell your own stories to help illustrate the points. I'm not saying that you can't give it your own titles and your own put your own personality behind the delivery of these things and tell the stories and tell the messages in creative ways. You can do all of that. But while we're doing that, we must be faithful to the revelation that God gave us and not do as these prophets were doing who were being warned in Ezekiel chapter 13 by prophesying or preaching out of our imaginations." seeing things that aren't really there, forcing things that shouldn't be forced. Instead, be faithful to the text. Don't force an allegory or a metaphor where it's not meant to be. If you wanna preach a sermon on God, you know, moving when when you feel like giving up, then go preach on Galatians 6, 9, which tells us not to give up. Don't take some Bible story and say that's what the Bible is trying to say in that particular portion of scripture. And again, I wanna emphasize, because there's a balance here. I am not saying that you can't glean principles or truths from these stories in a way that's meaningful and applicable for today. But I am saying while you search for those truths and meanings, be sure not to force any meanings upon those stories, upon those texts. So if you want to receive divine revelation, remember it comes from the word by the Holy Spirit. And those things which block that revelation in your life are number one, a heart of stubbornness, Number two, a life of disobedience. And number three, a misuse of scripture. If you are faithful to the revelations God has given to you, you are faithful to minister the revelations God has given you to minister, he can trust you with more and he will reveal to you the mysteries of heaven that you might declare the truth of God among the nations. That is it for the message I wanna pray with you now. I'm gonna pray right now. That God would help to guide you in these areas. That you might repent of anything that... And in fact, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to repent if we have been found convicted in any one of these areas. Let's repent right now. If you, if you have a stubborn heart or you're prideful, it's hard for you to admit that you could be taught. If you have a lifestyle of disobedience or if you find yourself misusing scriptures because you're trying to impress instead of impart, then I want you right now to just get it right before God. And he's gracious and he's loving and he's kind and he'll forgive you and then let's move forward. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those receiving this message now who have sensed a conviction in their hearts and in their spirits, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would forgive us for any of these areas in which we failed. And I pray, Lord, that you would open the door to divine revelation. Speak to us, Father, and help us to be good stewards of that which you have spoken. Holy Spirit, remind us of those words which we have heard. And reveal to us the truths as we live our lives seeking your face, wanting to know you in greater depths. Show us your glory, we pray. And let us be counted worthy of your trust. Let us be counted worthy of being entrusted with divine revelation and the mysteries of heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I want you to say it because you believe it. Say amen.